Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Well, hi, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving this week. If you have the ability to chat, I'm going to ask you to use that feature today. I want to start out just by asking, is there something in your life that you could say that you are truly thankful for? Is there some area that you would say that you have truly been blessed, even in this very messed up year that we're in? If so, would you just put yes in the chat or blessed or, you know, feel free to put any of the other detail in that you'd like that way. And while you're doing that, we connect this to this question. And would you like to be more blessed? I'm pretty sure I know the answer even before you drop it into the chat right now, because if you're like me, the answer is a definite yes, um, because more blessed is better. More blessed would be experiencing God and his working in our lives and for us to be able to connect with him in deeper ways. And for sure, that is better. The principle that we have um, led with in our series is we are blessed to bless. This is a principle that we find throughout the entire scripture, and it is a powerful one. And it's one that God wants us to be able to get hold of in our lives. You see, so many times it's easy to look at the blessed and just let it end right there. And if we are blessed and it stops with us, that would not be God's will. That is not God's heart for us either. God's heart for us would be that the blessed would in turn bless with what we've been blessed with and thus creating this cycle. And here's the principle that we have been blessed to bless. A passage I'd like us to look at today, again, that shows us this principle, but is going to wed it with a companion principle of it, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here we read these words, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, that says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, if you're familiar with that principle, um, just kind of drop that in there. We call it the principle of sowing and reaping. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow generously, reap. But here's what I want us to see. Here's what I want to show us today. And this is easily missed if you're not able to kind of dig back into the original languages. It reads literally this way. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows blessingly will also reap blessingly. I kid you not. That is the word that God dropped right into there. Eulogia. When I saw that, I'm just like, this is so true to the message that he wants for all of us to get. In fact, you might just want to write that principle into your Bibles that way. Today, two takeaways. The first, blessed begins with God. The second 
God's saying to us, there is something that I want for you. We'll start out with blessed begins with God. If you happen to have a Bible with you at home, if you want to grab that, you can pull it up on your phone. That would be good as well. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 6, we begin reading with these words. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows blessingly, yeah, you might want to just write that in there, will also reap blessingly. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now again, if you happen to have a copy of the scripture in front of you, if you look with me at verse 10 for just a moment, these words, now he who supplies seed to the sower. A couple quick questions. First of all, who is it that is the supplier of seed? Whole passage is using seed here and referring to it. He that sows seed, right? So who is it that is the supplier of seed? It would be God, right? So you can put that in there. Who is the sower? The sower would be us. So supplier, God, sower, us, and the seed that's mentioned here. What is that? Well, here it's directly um, connected to our giving or to money that way. What God is communicating is this, that he has blessed us materially or financially in our lives with that which we have. Now, at this point, you may get this, wait a second, or um, excuse me, God, moment that's taken place. Because you could be thinking this. I am the one that has earned what I have. I am the one that has worked for the money that I have right now. And it's almost as if God himself are just reading our thoughts with this reply that he gives to us from the book of Deuteronomy. When he says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Right? Like, like, God, that's just what I was thinking right now. And he adds to it this from Psalm 24. The earth belongs to God and everything in all the world is his. In other words, God says this. As the creator of the world, it's mine and really everything in it would belong to me as well. And to me, this is what brings me back to what I refer to as the sour patch perspective that I need to carry with me. Denise and I had five children. As they were growing up, um, going to the movies was kind of a rarity for us just because um, tight finances during that time. But when we did get to go to the movies, I wanted to make sure that my kids just weren't sitting there smelling the popcorn that everybody else was eating and watching them eating their snacks. So we made sure that everybody had popcorn and everybody got their favorite snack. 
So we were sitting there watching the first hour and a half of previews for the movie that is going to be coming up that way. And I look over at one of my kids, and they happen to be eating Sour Patch. And I'm like, can I have one of those Sour Patch? I, I, I joke you not. They looked at me and then cuddled the box like this and turned away as they said, no, they're mine. Now, I won't give up which one of my kids this happened to be at this time. But I thought to myself, what? Who bought you those Sour Patch? Who even brought you to the movies here? I started thinking things like, I could take those from you right now if I wanted to. Or I could just go out and buy a hundred boxes of Sour Patch if I wanted to too. And that's when that thought came to me, right from Psalm chapter 24 which is why I'm calling it my Sour Patch Perspective, how often that we take that which God has given to us and go, no, it's mine, and pull away from, pull away from God that way in our lives. Remembering the poor is a perspective that is so important for us here as well. And I mention it just so that when we begin thinking, wait a second now, if, if God is the one that's provided for us material, then yeah, what about the poor that way? Which are mentioned as well in the passage that we read here. The poor are individuals that God has kept in the forefront of his mind. In fact, there is nothing that has done more to help and serve the poor, alleviate the plight of the poor than the gospel itself. In fact, Jesus put this stake down deep and it's run through the church ever since. One of the reasons that I am just so enthused about this month, November, and our community impact event that we're doing is that through generosity, we are going to be able to provide toys for children that would not be able to have anything this Christmas were it not for our giving. Re resupplying food pantries here and throughout the area with meat-based soups and helping people that would not have that resource to be able to provide for their family as they wish that they could. And then, of course, also providing for Misfits for Jesus, taking hot meals to the street for homeless in, throughout this winter. Um, just, again, so, so encouraging. And I thank you, Fox River, for all that you do that way with us. First thing that God said, I want you to remember, is this, that blessed begins with me. He says, I have blessed you. And then we come to the second takeaway. And there is something that I want for you. God didn't say, I blessed you, and there's something I want from you. Rather, I have blessed you, and there's something that I so want for you. And the path to that happens to be the pathway of giving, the pathway of financially um, using our resource and offering back to God that way. If we look back at the passage that we read, what is it that God wants for us? Verse 8 says this, that God is able to bless us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will still abound in every good work. Verse 11 says, so that you will be enriched in every way. God's desire is for us to be able to receive from him through the prescribed means that he's given to us. 
he said to us, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Today that would be our local church. His word said, test me in this and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing upon you that there will not be room for you to store it. What is it that God wants? He wants to be able to put ourselves in the place that we would be receiving from him. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, he he tells us this, that the purpose of tithing is to teach us to always put God first in our lives. What is it that God wants for us? What is it that he wants for you as well as me? He wants for you to put God first in your life that you will be able to reap all of the benefits of having done so. Jesus said to put first the kingdom of God, then all these other things that God will add to us, not only the things that money could buy, but the things that money can't buy and that make life so worth living for us. The Apostle Paul used very similar words. When he was writing back to the Philippians and individuals that had been um, sending money for him to be able to continue on and do his ministry, he said in Philippians 4.17 these words. He said, Not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire is that more be credited to your account. Paul is clear. He's like, I don't want something for me, but there is something that I want for you. As a spiritual leader as your pastor, with your campus pastor as well, I can say, there is something that I want for you. I want for you to be able to experience a deeper faith. I want for you to be able to experience God more and more in your life. I want for you to be able to experience this cycle of blessing that is taking place in your life. I want for you to be able to have greater eternal impact and reward for you as well. I'm pretty sure that when we get to heaven, none of us are going to be saying, I wish I hadn't given so much when I was on the earth. And what I wish for you is that you can take hold of this at this point in your life. If you're in high school, if you're in college, there, this is the best time to begin to take God at his word and to live out these truths in your life. If you're coming at it as a young adult or a little bit older adult, then the best time to start would be now. I think Scott's story really helps us to understand that um, even in a more... Um, a more clear way, so I'll let him share his story with us now. Well, I'm Scott Matheson. I've been going to church here since 2006. I went to college and I didn't have a clue financially. I started taking out student loans even though I didn't necessarily need them, but uh, if you're going to party hardy, it's really good to have a lot of cash on hand. And I figured, you know, it just all work out. I got out of college and I was a recession in 1982. I couldn't get a job in my field. I uh, couldn't hardly get a job at all. Met a gal that was uh, working with. Uh, we had a little fling and that resulted in a pregnancy. The pregnancy said, oh, we should get married. And uh, that lasted not even a year. So I was trying to pay off this school debt and all the other stuff. And, um, and now all of a sudden I was not only uh, divorced and facing those financial uh, responsibilities, but during the pregnancy there were complications 
and uh, an extended hospital stay, and I did not have insurance. And I, so I, now I've acquired my school debt, uh, the hospital and doctor debt. Things just kept piling up, and I just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was driving an old beat-up car I'd gotten for $300. I was living every day on faith. I was working with a guy named Walter Harvey, who's now a pastor at Parklawn Assembly. He just leaned over the cube, and he had this gentle smile on his face. He said, do you give to God? And I, I laughed out loud because I was like, with what? Uh, you know, because I'm, they started hounding my mother. They're garnishing my check for chapter 13. So my check that was small is already now smaller. And he's asking me to give money to God. And he just said, well, you know, it's all God's. And he lets you keep 90% of it. And I gave him a smirk and I turned and walked away. But um, that kept rattling in my head. God was tugging at my heart. I decided I can write another check. I've written a lot of checks in my time, and uh, if it bounces, it bounces. But I went, I'm going to try, <laughs> I'm going to test this out. And so I was shaking so badly, it looked like there was an earthquake. And I would just put that check in a frame today to know that um, that first time, uh, without the experience that I have now, uh, looking back, it was like, uh, it was terrifying to think that I was going to be writing more checks. I don't know how it works that things get better. I don't know if it's just that my car doesn't break down. Um, I can remember my car not starting and I got out and prayed on the hood of the car and it started up and I would go get my son. But I was looking down at this little tot, he's the same age as my grandson is now, and my heart was breaking because I didn't have any money to feed him and I didn't have any food in the refrigerator. And it was at that time I heard the clink of the mailman throw the mail because it was comes in the slot in the door, right? And I go there and there's an envelope and it's, it's written to me and it has a $10 or $11 check was in there. And they said, I had borrowed $10 from you years ago and I just wanted to pay it back with interest. And I just, we took that $11 check and went to pick and save and we got some spaghetti sauce and noodles and you know, we had food and I was like, it was just amazing how things began to work. When I was in that little poverty state, I hated it. I hated every minute of it, but I had to trust God all the time, you know, with the car, with the gas, with the food, with the, every minute of all the time. And, and uh, that trust just became my new habit. But that statement that Walter said to me about it's all God's and he lets you keep all the rest has really made a big paradigm shift for me in terms of I'm not giving something up, I'm just getting to keep a whole bunch. And he never, never ever let me down and never leave you nor forsake you. I, say that over and over and over and it was always true. I, I never fell further than the palm of his hand, ever. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate you opening up, you know, and sharing your story with us. And by the way, if you haven't met Scott yet, he is one of the elders here at Fox River. And I know that there's so much more to the story he'd love just to be able to, to share with you as well. So what is it that we do today with that which we are... Um, the, what we're learning and receiving. The next steps that we can take are so um, tangible that I think we're going to be ready um, just to take ours beginning today. These would be next steps for anyone that has chosen to be a follower of Jesus, for anyone that would have said, I've trusted and received Jesus as my Savior. If that's you, then the next steps are all laid upon this foundation that I am going to take God at his word. The things that he has said, I am going to trust him and I'm going to act 
upon them. Having said that, then we're ready to start our journey on what we call the path of generosity. The first step in that path would be by giving our first gift. Remember what Scott said about how his hands were shaking that first check that he wrote out? I mean, that may be where you're at today. And stepping into giving might be a very scary thing for you. There's so much on the line, as it were, putting God to the test, which he said, I want you to do. Our second step from there would be to begin regular giving. In 2020, we put out this invitation that you could give $20 a week each year of 2020 as a way of beginning your giving and partnering here at Fox River. That is an invitation that I think um, helps us just with that regularity. Here's what I'm going to do each week and one way that we can step into it. From there, our third step would be percentage giving. And just as it would say, we begin to give a percentage of our income, whatever that would, whatever income is, um, back to God. Our eyes at this point are probably set then upon tithing, which is when we reach 10% of our giving. We so believe that God will honor you in this. And I could say, and I so want something for you here that we have um, put forth what we refer to as the 90-day tithe challenge. If you haven't heard that before, it's this. Begin tithing for 90 days. At the end of 90 days, if you are not blessed, if you don't feel that you're better off for having given than not given, then just tell us and we will gladly give you your money back. Why would we do such a thing? Because we are sure that God not only keeps his word, but that there is something that he wants for you that you're not going to get until you step out in this obedience with him. And from tithing, and when a person um, realizes this, when I realized that God is faithful, that I'm not going to be able to outgive God, that's what opened up generosity and generous giving for me in my life. And there's so many others here that can share their story about that, to which I would say, And if you have learned at any of these steps that God is faithful, would you share your story with us about that? Now, if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior yet, you're not a follower of his, please hear me and please hear me clearly about this. God doesn't ask you to give. I'll say it again. God is not asking you to give. God is asking you to receive. If we read down to the last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where we've been today, it says this, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That is the gift of giving his son Jesus, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation that he wants for us. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only begotten son, that if we would believe on him, we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And so if you haven't yet responded to the gospel, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, the fact that he has risen again from the grave, the fact that he and he alone is not only the forgiver of sins, but the one that will bring you into a living relationship with God now, then I hope that you'll do so. God's desire And as we go into this Thanksgiving time, this Thanksgiving season, this principle that he wants to carry um, throughout our lives is that we have been blessed to bless. And as we do, this cycle continues and it grows. And that is my prayer 
for you, my friend. As we pray together, if you are ready to receive Jesus, I hope that you'll um, pray out loud these words with me. If you're ready to take God at his word, to open yourself up, the blessed, to bless, then tell that to Jesus today as well. Jesus, we believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have eternal life, and so that we can have you active in our lives. Today, I ask you to be my Savior. And as I come to you, as best I know how, I open my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness and for the new life that I've heard about today. I pray this in your name. Thank you. And Jesus, from this point, may we continue to follow you and experience all that you have for us. Amen. God bless, my friend. And again, I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.